Welcome to Eterna. Keep your dice rolling, your friends close, your monsters closer, and don't let the old gods bite. This podcast is an Eldritch Dream Games production. A dark fantasy Pathfinder game laced deep with cosmic horror. I would like to thank the patrons that make this possible. Brian Bridges, Donald Bewley, Eric S. Pat, Robin Mims, Tim Demuse, Thomas Wayne Haley, and Wesley Sullivan. Stay tuned after our tale to hear what these glorious people have in the works. But for now, let us listen. Last time on Dungeon Ball Z, y'all got to Stormbluff and found out that Thon uh, has has left. He's he's gone to head towards the Leishal Conclave, uh, which uh, is not necessarily a good thing, especially in leaf size. Uh, <clears throat> but. Uh, our, our party had split up a bit. Uh, Leaf was heading to the docks to inquire with the portmasters uh, as to any manifests that may hold information that would be helpful to them. Uh, Rousseau and Riley had headed up towards the upper district to meet with some people who could potentially inform Riley of uh, where his quest is meant to go. And Shadow was staying at the Church of Abadar to keep Father Arthur Asher company and to keep Ekron out of the rain. We shall begin with the Riley So group. <laughs> the Roosley. Roosley is better. Roosley. The Roosley group. So. Wouldn't they Rousseau, be the Roosley brothers? The Roosley. <laughs> the Roosley. <laughs> Yes, the Super Roosley Brothers. Oh, the Super Morheim Brothers. That's that's much better. It's a me, O'Reilly. <laughs> wow, that was a good impression. Man, you've been practicing. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that was. You haven't been practicing. <laughs> that's Luigi being scared. Oh. Who's obviously a Goomba. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he leads you through the city up into a much nicer part of town. Uh, which is far less densely uh, populated in the streets. And you are led to a sizable estate, a short, like really only like hip height wall surrounds it uh, with some elegant filigreed, sort of like cast iron and brass um, flourishes uh, to decorate. Uh, He approaches the gate, which um, simply swings open at his mere presence. And, uh, well, Mr. Morheim, right this way. Riley nods and is going to uh, gawk at the lavish nature of the estate. Uh, the grounds are well-kept, uh, well-grown, not all muddied and trampled like much of the open earth in the city is. Uh, interesting... Uh, and exotic-looking uh, plants uh, are growing from pools of water and 
reaching upward with strange plant-like, almost like water sacks made of vegetation that you swear every once in a while it seems like there's something inside of them, uh, either swimming or floating around. And uh, <clears throat> he leads you up to the uh, to the front door, which uh, about 20 feet away from it, there you hear this gentle tone kind of just float through the air. It's got a musical quality to it. Um, and just as you're about to arrive at the door, it opens and uh, there's a uh, modestly yet well-dressed woman uh, standing there who gives a short bow. It's like, Lord Astri, welcome back. And uh, just uh, motions in uh, to which she will enter. And <clears throat> uh, he'll turn and say, this is my companion, uh, <clears throat> this is my companion, Riley Morse. Riley Morso. God damn it. Mm, nope, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. This is my uh, this is my companion and not affiliate. Uh, my companion and associate, Riley Morheim. He'll be joining me this evening, and she'll nod, give you a short bow. Welcome to the Estriga State. Riley returns the favor and will uh, follow Russo in. So he uh, immediately takes to a banistered staircase to the left and uh, heads upstairs. It's like, come on, come on. If we're hoping to avoid more than our fair share of interaction, we'll need to move a little bit quickly. Oh, you don't want to introduce me to the family, huh? Not that I'm opposed to it, but if time is of any essence, it may be pertinent. Riley gives a knowing nod and will make haste. Uh, he'll head down into... Uh, I'm just going to go left and right because I don't want to think about global directions. Uh, going down the left wing yes. uh, on the second floor. And he will uh, come to a very... Uh, lavish set of double doors to which she will uh, open it slightly peek inside uh, as if looking for someone uh, and uh, when he's uh, satisfied he swings the door open, steps inside and there's a rather sizable parlor uh, there's some art there's uh, like sitting areas and, and whatnot. it's a very open room it even has almost like a greenhouse style kind of roof to it but only in the center and it's very uh interesting in, in its construction because obviously this isn't a greenhouse um and there are on the roof uh several plants that seem to be bioluminescent which offer some color uh as well as the streaming of rain down the glass. Riley will say, uh, while he's looking around at all of this and being <laughs> led into this room, he's going to say out loud, this is quite the extravagant setup you have here. Yes, it's been in the family for 
quite some time has been built upon, redecorated, and redone several times over the past few centuries, I imagine. I suppose there's a lot to be said of historic value and legacy and all of that. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my humble beginnings find this a little bit uncomfortable, to be honest. That is my apology then, but I did not exactly purchase nor design the place. No apology necessary. I'm just, I guess, talking. I tend to do that. That's fair. The Astrig family has roots in pre-war Noctis, so uh, survival has always been a big thing for us, I suppose. Uh, obviously, despite being old nobles, we're still around. Well, as I said then, there's a lot to be said about history and legacy. And I have certainly uh, no opposition to that, I suppose. Now, he, he pulls out a, um, a small uh, timepiece. Um, something that's kind of expensive. Uh, most people use uh, shade stones to tell time. Uh, he has an actual like pocket watch. Um, he says, um, she's either running late or something's interrupted her schedule. Uh, yeah, please stay here and uh, he'll um, he'll flit out the doorway in which you arrived and head down the hallway. All right. Leaving yeah. you standing in this, this opulent room. Sure. Riley's going to just kind of give a casual shrug as he makes his way, as uh, Rousseau makes his way out. And then Riley will busy himself kind of just uh, exploring the room, I suppose. There are a lot of things in this room that are just very much, you can tell these are just things that are meant to either be nice to look at or hold some sort of uh, non-direct uh, money value, basically, where they're, uh, they effectively add to one's net worth uh, just through extravagance. Um, but there are a couple of things that catch your eye um, in that there, in the corner, there's a small pedestal on which a very nice uh, sort of emblem. It looks like perhaps a, a, I can't, it's not a brooch, um, I don't think. It's kind of like a pin, but they're larger, and you would use it to hold a cape. Does anybody know what those are called? Uh, not the technical term for it, <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. A a big old cape brooch. Yes, um, a cape pin. Yes, a cape pin. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, and uh, it it bears some similar designs that you recognize uh, on it. Uh, go ahead and roll me a knowledge local. I have that. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, Fifteen. Uh. So this actually bears the ward crest of uh, of Morheim on it, which um, is the essentially the city the city flag, except in a class form of the Mordheim district and ward in Solaria. Um, 
which you would have some vague like notion that your family is related to that ward in some way, but like not necessarily as nobility. It's just, but in name. Sure, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that kind of just strikes you as something that's kind of out of place. It's not particularly opulent. It's well made. Mm-hmm. But um, whereas much in this room is kind of like geared towards like a warm look, it's either gold or copper or bronze or um, the paintings are all in sort of warmer tones for the most part. Uh, this being silver uh, with a blue uh, sort of like uh, enamel on it in parts uh, it kind of stands out a little bit. And there's also a much less uh, well-crafted looking uh, dagger sort of on the pedestal under it that you take notice of. Okay, what's the... uh, Is it mostly like a uh, ceremonial trophy weapon or does it look like it could actually be used? It it looks like a functional dagger and it very much does... Like, it's kind of hidden under under the thing, but you took notice of it, uh, given uh, your proximity and close inspection. Uh, And it kind of just stands out as really not belonging. Okay. Does it have any... uh, So Riley doesn't craft weapons or anything like that, but does it have any noticeable, I guess, like local markings that would designate where it was forged? Uh, do you like take it and, and inspect it more closely? Because it's like in a leather sheath. Uh, yeah, Riley's, I guess, not necessarily uh, uh, above uh, picking up and manhandling some of these items, sure. Okay. Uh, so you take it and take it out of the sheath. And uh, while you're not particularly familiar with it, um, like any stamps that might be placed on it, which... I think you would know well enough that a lot of times, unless it's like a really good piece, like the maker stamps are actually on the tang, which is covered by the handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one does have a simple etching on it uh, that is simply VM. All right. Does it um, or this etching have any similarities to the rapier Riley carries from his father? Uh, you take it and you take a closer look at it, at the etching, and while the etching on your father's sword looks a lot more professional, um, the flares on it, like the sort of um, indicator marks, are very, very similar. Okay. Um, and make me a perception. Sure. 25. Uh, you hear footsteps uh, coming up the hall. Um, they are not Russo's footsteps. Uh, they seem to... Uh, you you would recognize heels on stone and wood. So, okay. <laughs> uh, unless he squished out his shoes. Like, right. Unless he went to high heels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. If Riley hears someone kind of uh, relatively approaching, he'll uh, sheath the dagger and replace it on the pedestal. All right. Uh, go ahead and make me a stealth check. 
Oh, am I good at stealth? This isn't necessarily to hide yourself. This is right. Um, is this for stashing the dagger back? Can I make sleight of hand set if so? Or yeah, yeah. Go okay, ahead. then I will do a sleight of hand, which is also a twenty-five. Okay. So, uh, you 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 hear? What's this door doing open? And uh, a a woman probably. Uh, probably in her, uh, I'd say late thirties, maybe early forties, mm-hmm. uh, steps up to the door and looks around and, uh, and is like, oh, um, hello. <sighs> Riley flashes a smile and, uh, gives a bow and greeting and says, I understand this probably looks a fair bit awkward, but I uh, was brought here by Rousseau. Oh, I had heard he had arrived with a guest. Um, I'm so glad to meet you. Uh, my name's Renee. Uh, Renee Astrid. I'm the lady of the estate and Rousseau's mother. Hey. <laughs> okay. Uh... Yeah, sure. Uh, Riley just kind of nods at first. And uh, tries to think ahead in conversation how he wants this to play out. But um, he'll find himself saying, It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. My name is Riley, Riley Morheim, at your service. Like during during this introduction, she was approaching you uh, uh, with, uh, uh, with a pleasant smile. And you notice when. Uh, when you're when you say your name, uh, she has a, a brief pause. Uh, go ahead and make me a sense motive. That's not a twenty five. It's a twenty two. Okay. Uh, she continues forward after that brief stutter, and uh, it's like, it's very nice to meet you, Mister Morheim. And you get the feeling like she's probably shaken it off as a coincidence. Mm. Uh. But you know better. <laughs> yes. Is Morheim a common name where you're from? Um, I'm told that it has some uh, potential relationship to the uh, ward in Solaria of the same name. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes. Tell me, are you familiar with the name? It rings a bell or two. Kind of a uh, quick... Uh, sharp laugh and or not a laugh kind of a chuckle and uh, a nod and says I was uh, Russo left to tend to something um, and he kind of left me at my leisure to explore this room I hope you don't think that I'm prying or anything but I was admiring um, these items here and he kind of steps to the side and gestures to the pin and the uh, dagger nearby oh yes it was a uh, lovely medallion left by someone at uh years and years ago many of these rooms are here for entertaining company my husband has the artistic preference uh on the right side of the house whereas i take the left and uh the 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 blade as well nearby left by the same person Um, yes. 
I don't mean to pry, I just uh, recognize some aspects of these items. I was drawn to them, they seem to stand out in the room, nonetheless, and upon closer inspection, I recognize the, the crest and the pin here, and uh, certain etchings on the dagger. She would uh, very quickly uh, begin to uh, flush um, and um, how might you recognize those etchings? I hail from Solaria, first of all. Second of all, the, the marking on the dagger is very similar to a marking on the rapier that I carry. And he kind of just, uh, he doesn't like make a grandiose gesture, but he does like <laughs> pivot, I guess, a little bit to show the, the uh, rapier on his side. Uh, so uh, her eyes kind of um, uh, drawn to your rapier. Uh, you can see recognition sort of enter her face and she becomes uh, um, quite uh, quite flush in the moment. Just, uh, just like so I suppose then you know you already knew who I was. In a sense, yes. Um, though, believe me when I say I don't mean to cause any trouble or disruption here. Certainly not to disturb your lifestyle or your family. Um, I'm here on... I wish I could phrase it differently, but I'm here on business. I suppose that's good. And it does seem like the world is a lot smaller than odds would allow. Um, please. Perhaps. Um, I, I don't know what you're planning with my son, but he... He... He's loved here, and I, if anything, if, if you're here for anything, um, please, it, it was my fault, not, not his. He had nothing to do with it. He couldn't have had anything. And she looks very nervous. Um, I almost wanted to, uh, like, press her and do something devious, but I, I don't think Riley's quite fallen that far yet. <laughs> so um he, he he watches her and he says uh the business i'm here is certainly uh, not so one of antagonism i'm not quite sure what you're confessing to okay um ferret's not sour then uh, so yeah, whatever demeanor Riley was kind of holding, he he kind of drops it, I guess. And um, I hate to use the word stone face again, um, even though that was, I guess, last episode. But <laughs> it's, um, his expression goes a little bit uh, more grim. And he says, you were under the impression that my father still lived. I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. Uh, to be fair, I don't have uh, 
exceptional detail on the history of my father's involvement with you and your family. So I just guess I kind of assumed one way or the other. But I've been living with it for so long now that the assumption was very easy to make. Um, yes, he's no longer part of this world. I'm so sorry. Um, and she starts to tear up. Um, if you'll excuse me. And she'll uh, she'll turn and, and head out of the room. Sure, as she goes, he'll say, uh, her name was Renee, right? Yes. He'll say, Renee, um, to get her attention. Just she'll get- she'll kind of uh, falter in the door and, and turn back. My time here in Stormbluff is brief, and perhaps the world is small, or perhaps there's something called destiny that weaves all of this together. But I would like you to know that I am happy to have met you, at least briefly. Uh, she, she's very much biting back tears. You can see she gives you a, a quick nod that shakes uh, a couple of them loose and and as she uh, then stu- uh, not really stumbles but uh quickly um makes her way uh, into the hallway and away yeah riley will just kind of steal himself for a moment and let her leave before turning his attention back to items which he can only assume have belonged to his father in the past a few minutes later uh <clears throat> Uh, Rousseau will return uh, with a halfling woman in somewhat fanciful, but also uh, still quite effective clothes. Like they're not, um, they, they look like um, something in between like an actual sword fighter's clothing and like an entertainer's clothing set. Uh, okay. Are they like loose or more tight then? Uh, they're like loose around like the greater joints, um, like the shoulders and uh, whatnot. But they are they are tighter around like the elbow and and wrist and uh, knees. Okay. Um, and there's a little bit of a collar on it, but not too big. But uh. Before we get into that stretch, uh, we're going to go back to Leaf and Void and head down to the docks. Welcome back. Leaf here. Let's go talk to some people on the docks. All right. So you do indeed go down to the docks. Finding a portmaster is quite easy. Uh, what exactly are you looking to find out? Uh, I mean, I, I guess the first thing he gives him is, is his brother's name. Um, my brother was a priest of Abadar, uh, and I, I take it he, or I, I've been informed that he's taken voyage uh, within the last two weeks or so, heading uh, to the light side of the world. <coughs> uh, I was hoping to see if there were any records of where he might be heading to. Uh, so that I might meet him on the other side. All right, I'm gonna look through these ledges here. Give me, give me a few minutes, and he'll uh, flip through some books. You said his name was Than. Than, and he'll Thon. spell it out for him: T H A U N. 
Yeah, that's the one. All right, so looks like he went out on the sea berry about 17 days ago. So just a hair over two weeks. The destination, uh, making port once along the Caro uh, Mountains and then finishing the voyage in West Helm in Solaria. Okay. And you, you wouldn't happen to know about how long that trip takes, both to, to get to that port in the Carroll Mountains and uh, then to West Helm? It depends on the winds. The winds are in their favor. They can make it to the Carroll in, well, probably about here two, three days ago. The winds are against them. It can take significantly longer. It'll be about another, say, two weeks, maybe three, to get to West Helm. A lot of open sea. Weather's going to play a big part in that. I'm sorry, I missed that last bit. How, how long did he say the trip to West Helm was? Uh, from Cairo to uh, West Helm could be two to three weeks if the weather is good. okay um that's that's excellent information and uh, <clears throat> I, i've got uh I, I guess one last question and this this might be far-fetched but uh i imagine if you had seen this man um he, he might stick out quite sorely do you know of any gnomish sailors that frequent the area i've known a few a particular one you're looking for? You're looking for uh, a crewman or a captain? I, I imagine he would be captaining his own ship. He, he's never been much of a follower. Uh, a Dimble Fimblethop? Gnomes and their names. All of them are complicated, so I would say it rings a bell, but might be wrong. Uh, give me a little more time to look through. And uh, he'll he'll go there. Uh, we did have a dimble thimble thop here in uh, back here about six months ago, but uh, no more arrival in port since. And uh, no idea where he came from or where he was heading. Uh, he had come from West Ham. Uh, destination. Uh, undecided, it says. It's a relatively small ship. Uh, not much of a carrier vessel. Imagine he was out looking for things. There's still oceanic adventurers in these parts of the world, even now. And he, he's definitely uh, left since his arrival six months back? Yes, definitely. He wasn't in port, but about a week, it looks like. Uh, just just for like a scale of time, when was the last time we were in Storm Bluff? How long ago was that? Uh, um, a month and a half before the Cataclysm. It's now like two months later, so that was like three and a half months ago. Four months ago, thereabout. Okay, so we still missed him by like a wide margin. Yeah. <sighs> 
<clears throat> says, um, thank you very much for the information. And he'll toss him a handful of coppers for the trouble. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, if you need any, uh, if you need to line up a boat of your own, let me know. Well, I was I was really hoping on uh, the gnome being present so that I might have booked passage with him. Uh, but I, I'll seek you out uh, should we have no alternative. I thank you very much. No problem. If he comes in, I'll let him know someone was looking for him. You want to leave a name? Uh, just tell him that Tagal and Raquel miss him. All right. I, I think I think he should understand. All right. And he like scribbles something down. Oh, as, well, as he's like across. scribbling it down, he'll he'll like spell it out, I guess. You know, D U G A L and R A K K E L. Right. Oh, uh, you have a nice uh, day, Mister Degol and Mister Raquel. As he obviously is just making assumptions about the two of you. Uh, and he, he nods and with with a swift heel turn starts making his way out. Void kind of just closes his eyes and smiles a little bit as he spins on the ball of his foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, follows you. He just um, kind of mumbles over to Void as, as they're walking out. I uh, think I might may have come close to making a mistake there. That's probably for the best that I don't have my name on any ledgers. And it's perhaps if you believe you're being hunted. I can't say I'm quite used to this level of paranoia. This is uh, the closest call I've had with them in in a decade. Perhaps if there is few, if there are few other alternatives, perhaps it is time to face your problems instead of running from them. I think I would rather face them on my own terms instead of letting uh, those creatures usher me towards them. Be fair, but if you are being hunted, it's better to set a trap. I wouldn't know what to do with them once I had them in my clutches. Not quite used to uh, such villainy. Is it you that's the villain there? As in all things, I, I think it's mostly gray. I think it will be your intent then. Well, uh, <laughs> information gathering in the port was uh, much more expeditious than I thought it would be. Uh, Maybe we should meet back up with the rest of the group. I concur. So, I, I'm sorry, I feel like I've almost wasted your time. Not at all. Do you know when we should be expecting Shadow back from her trip to the Shadow Plane? How long do these rituals take? That I'm not entirely sure. But I, at least to a certain point, intend to travel with her. I assume it wouldn't be a poor decision to do so otherwise as a group. My understanding of 
exactly how these paths she talks about is limited. But I've seen their effectiveness, certainly. Well, they may be our best option, given, given uh, Dimble's absence. Freedom and I span the distance between the far west of Sanguine to just about where you met us in the span of about a week's travel. And that is many months in traditional traversal. Uh, but can you bring a wagon with you? Or is that something only possible on foot? I believe that will be determined by the size of such portals and whatnot. Some of them are quite large. The one at the base of the mountain where we hold our temple is hundreds of feet across. I don't imagine you could guarantee uh, the exit being quite so large. We can't, I suppose, but if anyone will know the easiest path for us to take, it will be truth. Let us not dally then. And uh, do you want to take the shortest path to uh, the noble house, or do you want to uh, take the main path and paths by the church? Um. Yeah, I, I think maybe a path by the church just to make sure that like the offloading and everything uh, has has gone well. So you would walk up, find the church, the uh, empty wagon sitting just outside, box crouched within the frame of the building uh, with a blanket over his head, <laughs> and uh, the door slightly ajar. Okay. Uh, but but uh, otherwise, no one else present? Uh, not outside, at least. All right. Um, can I, get, I guess peek in the door? So inside uh, is Father Mr. Arthur Asher, Shadow, and uh, Ekron. Oh, uh, fortunate timing then. Hi. Hello. We are, we are finished unloading the wood. And uh, Diara had taken a message to the church in the upper area to ask for workers. Wonderful. Uh, here's hoping, e even in these harsh times, the uh, people have enough muster to put this lumber to use. You did not happen to have diamond dust on you, do you? <laughs> he like pats his pockets and uh, he says uh, I, I think not and then he, he just like looks at the crystal ring that he's probably got he, he probably doesn't wear it on his hand because it's a bit uh, like big and gaudy but uh, I, I don't imagine like, I, I feel like Brock would have mentioned it if the ring he gave him was like made out of diamond uh, so yeah, you, you just kind of hear that like jingling against some of the other stuff in his, his pocket or his belt. He says, uh, 
Uh, unfortunately, I, I think I might be fresh out. Mm. It is okay. Uh, of, of what do you need diamond dust? Oh, not me. The church, that is how they heal the people. And uh, the good father here, he cannot uh, be healed if they do not have enough diamond dust to heal him. Uh, I, I recall the fellow from the other town was in need of such healing as well. But uh, whenever I see Grandmama, I'm going to see if she can send somebody to maybe uh, make some trade agreements with the church and get them resupplied. Well, that sounds wonderful. Uh, I would be willing to pitch in if you needed assistance there. Did you find out about your brother? Yes, it, it looks like we may have missed him uh, by quite a while. Uh, he, he was gone there. His voyage left a little over two weeks ago. And uh, my friend with the boat, had, uh, the last time he was seen in town was about six months prior. So that was even long before we were last in Storm Bluff. <laughs> so, timing is, is ever our enemy in these things. It is hard sometimes because you can cross paths without even realizing that you're just a few days off. Uh, but the fellow in um, at the at the portmaster uh, was was quite helpful. Um, it seems Thon was headed along to Westhelm uh, with a stop in the Caro Mountains. Uh, maybe a month and a half travel. Are they near your home? I'm sorry, I missed that. These places, they are near your home? Uh, well, they're uh, well on the, the way. Uh, the Carrow Mountains actually jut out of the glowing sea, so they aren't. But West Elm is in sort of like the mid-northern region of Solaria, so it's not horribly far. And it's actually uh, somewhere that you're relatively familiar with as um, the Partisians spent a lot of time there. Yep. Um, so it's it's well on its way, but... Uh, mm, and do you know of any places around that area where the planes fold uh, over each other? Uh, you can make a, a paired check of geography and planes, please. All right. So there's your planes, you damn dirty ape. That's a 25. And then a geography is a 15. Okay, so... Um, you know that there's a pretty large uh, KL population uh, sort of in one of the wards north of uh, West Helm, but you're not particularly sure of any actual portals in the area. Uh, but those two things you kind of know tend to coincide, so... At the very least, you know of an area where there are people you can ask. Uh, yeah, so um, he just kind of rubs the bridge of his nose for a second, thinking, and um, he, he says, uh, well, I, I, I do know there there's a number of Kaal in one of the wards of the city in West Helm, uh, but I, I can't say I've ever stopped to talk, uh, talk to them of planar portals most of the times I was in the city, we were just passing through. Mm -hmm. 
typically, if you find that one of our communities somewhere, there is a portal real close by. Well, that's a good sign. So if uh, we can tell truth the name of this district, uh, then he will be able to tell us which portal it is. Would I have remembered the name of that district in my knowledge checks? Um, we, we don't need like an actual name for it, but would I be able to that communicate room. that? That room. Yeah. Uh, so... Microsoft narrator. Bedroom. <laughs> but uh, he will be meeting us somewhere along the way to the ritual site. You will know him when you see him. He uh, he does not make his hair dark like I do, so he has uh, very white hair, but it glows really bright. Oh but my god, looks, Shadow, you're such a goth. He looks like me. No, I have to dye mine so that when I try to hide, if you can't be stealthy, if your head's glowing... I can see the sense in that. So, but yeah, otherwise he looks like a very tall boy version of me. <laughs> heavy armor. Well, I look forward to the acquaintance. So I suppose we need to uh, head to Lord Russo's estate. Uh, but we need to drop the wagon off at that little place where Nina is with the other wagon. Do you wish to come with us? Uh, absolutely. Sorry for the interruption, Father Asher. Uh, not at all. Thank you for the company. And thank you for the help that you've given us. I will remember you in my prayers. Thank you very much. Um, uh, uh, Void and uh, Winda, is that our back yet? Uh, they are you can you can hear outside uh, and they are coming up now okay well she's going to grab her people and tell them okay uh, we have to go to a noble's house now it is time to change into the fine clothing so uh, let's pop into the room for a minute and get changed before right. we take off uh, do you need to change Mr. Goldsarsh um he just kind of like Sweeps his hands across his clothes. I uh, don't exactly have any uh, fancy dress. Okay, I uh, don't know. I don't, don't think you can. You would be very nice. I'm not trying to be rude, but I don't think my dresses would be good for you. Uh, Voice, do you have clothes he can borrow? If you don't mind wearing the colors of a god you don't follow. I doubt uh, Father Oak would mind. Then I can give you something a little bit nicer. We will all get changed then. <laughs> so, you all get changed. Uh, you, you're given uh, some some dark, dark blue, black, and, and silver robes. Uh, leaf. Uh, they're a little bit big on you. But, um... They're they're uh, certainly um, a little more refined in their uh, design, not necessarily more sturdier made, but uh, 
Definitely more so than you would expect of something that's effectively silken. I mean, he, he, he probably looks like a wet cat in the clothes. He's not used to wearing <laughs> anything that doesn't like great as you wear it. <laughs> uh, Shadow will be throwing on her shade clothing. All right. She's not. She's not like dressing for dinner at this point. But so, but she will just put her shade clothing on. Is this some of your looser shade clothing or the this business is, suit? This is her her latex clothes. Okay. So you all get changed. Father Asher, as you leave, wishes stone, uh, roads of stone to you. Uh, meaning swift and safe travels. Uh, are y'all going to fast track it or um, is? Do you want uh, Dyara and, and Winda to take the cart? Um, no, because they don't have the seal to get in, so I will I will stay with them. Okay, so about half an hour later, you you're back. And I at do the top have my mask on as well, by the way. Okay, about half an hour later, you're at the top of the city, and and heading off towards the estate. Now back to back to the room but not the normal room the fancy room <laughs> what's a story Sean yes what's a story hi Mar <laughs> yeah so um we're gonna call her Kana I hope there's okay. not already a Kana uh, <laughs> uh Russo introduces her as, as she enters with him like uh so Riley, this is Kana, and she, I think, is the link uh, that I might be able to help you with. And uh, so Kana steps forward and does sort of a fancy flourished bow um, and, uh, and says, oh, it's a pleasure to meet you. I see you're already trained. And she looks at your swords. At least I hope so. Yes, I don't carry them for show. That's for sure. Well, I suppose you're not really here to talk to me, are you? You're here to talk to Quiet. Oh, believe me, I don't mind the meeting. Uh, it's nice to meet you, of course. But I do have duties to uphold. Of course. Quiet has seemed a little more restless of late anyway. Not entirely sure why. Not the most conversative of spirits. Are you, like, descended from her? Or do you just have connections with whatever it is she is now? I'm just connected. I happened upon her by accident. Uh, and she was, as so many phantoms are, a shard of her former self. I've tried helping her become more and more whole. And... She's still less than whole, but pleasant enough. And she holds a great many secrets, which I've used definitely to mine and Russo here's benefit. I see. Curious, this connection, but as long as it's serving everyone well. I can't say I can entirely explain it. At least not the why. It's simple. I became sensitive to the workings of spirits and attached to one 
Or rather, she attached to me, I suppose. Riley chuckles just a little bit and says, everything I've seen and experienced so far, uh, I hardly have explanations for most of it, so I suppose this isn't quite too out of the ordinary for me these days. No worries. (coughs) All right. So, give me just a moment. And she, like, closes her eyes and takes a deep breath, breathes out uh, slowly, and a sort of a blue shimmer will begin to take form in front of you. Very undefined at first, but as it goes on, the spitting image of the uh, halfling from your dream, uh, save for being bathed and essentially made of a pale blue light, uh, begins to form in front of you. Briley uh, watches with a uh, just a, a little bit of whimsy. Yeah, still, I guess, um, enjoying experiencing new and fantastic things to some degree. But uh, as the the being comes to form, he will kind of just like look around the room to like see when I guess the the, the forming of the spirit or when whatever uh, uh, she's doing is complete, so that he may interact with the entity. I guess. Like, he's not sure when he should actually do something. It it doesn't take long. uh, A handful of seconds, and she kind of just lightly swings her hands back, uh, clasps them, and and then swings them back down towards her legs, and it's like, well, I have to stick around, but uh, if you've got any questions, uh, no guarantees she'll answer, but... And uh, so disembodied floating there before you is a... Very sad-looking halfling girl. Bradley clears his throat and says, Quiet, you've called for me and I have answered. Here I am. She kind of floats uh, upward slightly and a little bit closer to you. Uh, Still not saying anything, just looking at you, sorrowful and intensely. He takes a moment just to kind of watch back before saying you've told me quite a bit already but I've come to learn more at your request what do you have for me quiet she floats over by the um, medallion and dagger and you begin to though she shows no active signs of breathing nor nor weeping, you begin to hear the sounds of a of a small woman crying. Riley well, moves to these items. He'll uh, uh, listen, and he'll uh, I, I guess uh, unless something like stops him or interacts with him, he he'll has not hesitantly but steadily um, reach out to maybe brace the dagger at least because he's already held that item. Like as you um, as you kind of hold it. She reaches down and touches it. She kind of points at you um, with it, with her other hand. She, she points at you as the blade kind of, because you're, she doesn't actually have any physical form, her hand kind of just passes through it. But her other hand will point at you. This blade, are you... Uh 
telling me that I should carry it. What's the purpose of the blade? She points at it like very closely. Her finger passes through the leather. Yeah, he'll unsheath it. And she pointing at the um the engraving. The VM? Yeah. Riley nods, saying uh, this was a weapon my father carried. She nods. You find it pertinent that I carry it as well. She shakes her head. She holds out uh, in her hands a, a spectral book. But the pages she lets fall open in front of you, and they're all blank. She points at the dagger again, and then points to her book. Sure. He um, takes a moment thinking about it, and will say, <laughs> you're uh, not asking me to brandish this blade against your book, am I? are you? She shakes her head. You begin to hear more sounds. Mm-hmm. A clashing of steel around you. And her sorrowful blue light begins to shift. It becomes ruddied with gray markings, colors, duller, darker. You hear heavy breathing. You hear sounds of... uh pain and then you hear uh, a a small yet powerful voice ring out uh, ferret and then silence and the gray will fade back to blue and she holds the book forward Uh, so that that seemed to be uh, I'm assuming a a reference to the or it seems to it might seem to Riley a reference to the the final conflicts from the uh, story Mm mm-hmm sure so uh, it doesn't seem I I, I guess does it seem like she's implying that he needs to do something with the or interact with the the image of the book she's presenting or is that more symbolic I uh, go ahead and make me sense motive. Sure. Uh, 22. Uh, I think that you uh, kind of understand whatever she's trying to say. She's saying that the book is important. Uh, with that, let me let me make her a check to try and see if she's delivering the message well. Um, so you you feel like she's trying to make some sort of connection with the book but you're not entirely sure what it is you just know that the book is important great so then I'm trying to remember if I mentioned or if it came up uh, what actually happened with her original book did it end up here, or... Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, Riley doesn't know what happened to the book. Okay. That's probably why I couldn't uh, remember what I said about it. Cool. Um, yeah, in that case, he'll ask, uh, do you... Let, 
Like he knew that his father had it at some point, but that that's right. It, right. He doesn't because know what happened to it. I think he read his father's journal or like some of the writings of his father, which detailed this um, mm-hmm. or the whole events. But yeah. Okay, great. So then Riley's going to ask, do you know the location of your book? She, uh, she f- floats down to the floor. Um, and the color will uh, on her will change again sort of to a lighter sort of soft yellow and you'll hear sounds of bustling of the outside of a busy city street uh, being kind of cut off from the walls of a, of a building. Footsteps that are closer by. And she puts her hands on the floor and uh, hear creaking and uh, like a board being pulled up and scuffling and, and shuffling like something being put away. And you smell familiar smells like the book stored in a floorboard at his old house perhaps yes okay so yeah so riley probably actually like says something very similar to that uh as disjointed as that out loud like one of the floorboards at home she nods he takes a deep breath and then we'll ask if i'm able to find the book what would you have me do with it she opens her book again. This time a single page has on it uh, a, an image and this pretty well sketched. It's it's not like, you know, like the, the flourishes of some scribe monk or anything like that, but it, it's a pretty good drawing. Um, and it depicts uh, it depicts a somewhat familiar looking man not your father um a artistic rendition perhaps of Caden Callion uh holding aloft a mug drawn in uh with shimmering gold that shows through even through this ephemeral image and it's like a third of the way through the book or so Uh, yeah, probably will say the, your book has information on the location of the idol I seek. She nods. Is that something you wrote in there before passing? Uh, the colors that make her up begin to shift and swirl in a variety of shades and patterns. And she just kind of uh, falls to the ground and kind of uh, as the swirling uh, fades, it goes back to blue and she shrugs. I suppose it hardly uh, matters at this point. Kena 
uh, steps forward and she's like, she's, like I said, she's not whole. She can't remember everything. How she even knows this is a mystery. Ellie nods and will speak firmly in saying, Quiet, you've helped me a great deal in giving me this lead to further my goals. What can I do to make you whole or put you at ease or to make your existence better? She looks up and uh, she just starts crying and the moans and sobs kind of almost echo out of the walls here instead of emanating from her. And uh, Kena kneels down next to her and sort of kind of just tries to console her and uh, turning to you. I wish it was that easy, Riley. <laughs> um, sure. Riley uh, uh, grimaces for a moment, but will uh, steal himself and kneel in front of Kena and quiet and I guess at this point not really uh, knowing if he's addressing quiet more so than the two of them he says um, my purpose is to save this world from destruction and you've helped me a great deal in this quiet the, the debts uh, the debt for your assistance well it's difficult to repay that sort of thing and though I know I won't find the answers I seek to help you here. I do promise that I will never stop looking for a way to help you in some capacity. And he just kind of nods. Okay, now look up and just nod at you. I'll add that to the quest list. <sighs> All right. The quest list. The yeah. bottomless quest list. Yes. Um... A decanter of endless quests. Uh, give quiet final rest. Is that too grim? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going to write down. Okay. Yeah. So Riley will stand and I mean, I'm sure he'd want to talk about a few more things, but he, he I, I'm getting the sense that the, the feeling in the room is probably a little, um, somber at the moment and although this is kind of a chance meeting that he might not have an opportunity to revisit for a long time he uh, doesn't particularly feel inclined to uh, push the boundaries that the spirit might have uh, after uh, you finish speaking with uh, quiet uh, Kano will wave her hand sort of like almost rubbing her back and she'll just sort of evaporate uh, <clears throat> be like, oh, that was a bit of a strain, but I'm glad you were able to get something useful. There are some things that are very clear for her and other things that are very much not so. I'm finding myself to be a rather capable person surrounded with rather capable people. In time, I will find a way to give her some sort of closure I hope you can though I believe I have your father to thank for uh, my employment ultimately uh, Riley smirks a little bit my father's presence is uh, 
oddly overwhelming here. Maybe it's just the room. Maybe it's just a series of events, but it's definitely overwhelming. I learned his fighting style from Quiet, and I passed that on. You do look a lot like him. Riley takes a deep breath, um, looks at Rousseau, who I'm assuming stood around for all of this. Yeah. Probably kind of a spectacle, and he'd want to see it. And then he's going to uh, look back at Kana and say, uh, I, myself and my companions are fairly busy with our time in Stormbluff. As I said, my time here will be very short. But do you feel like seeing how much my fighting style resembles my father's? I would very much enjoy it. <laughs> and Riley just kind of glances up at Rousseau and <laughs> he's going to give this uh, cocky smirk and just kind of say, the two of you can come at me at once, if you please. Just show me to the fighting ground. Oh, he is rather sure of himself. And uh, she turns around and starts walking out. I think the front garden will do. And uh, Rousseau uh, head, heads back to the foyer. Ace. Now, uh, as you're exiting the front of the uh, building, the gate is swinging open. Nani. And uh, in walk your friends. Oh. It's much better than some alternatives. Yeah, Riley holds up a uh, hand to greet them. Hi, Riley. Hi, Leaf. You're looking very fashionable. Uh, you're all looking rather fashionable. Now that this is only proper. You do not visit the nobleman's house in your everyday clothing. I was told my normal clothing was insufficient. <laughs> <laughs> Riley gives like a short chuckle to Leaf's comment, but he's focused on uh, the the mask that Shadow's wearing because I don't I don't know if he's ever seen you in your formal clothes before. Nope. So um, I, I just the whole new attire is uh, I guess interesting for him, and yeah, I don't think you've described it. So I would like to give you the opportunity to. Well, do so. she's dressed a whole lot like her grandmama was when y'all met her, and that uh, she is dressed head to toe basically in this latex outfit but it's formed much like a business suit and uh she has of course a ponytail coming out the back with her uh purple hair and then uh the suit itself because this the, they don't really wear purple uh the the shade don't really wear the uh, wear black the the black part the typical black part of the suit would be uh a dark, dark purple. Um, and then it would have the uh, lighter colored collar on it and whatnot. And the mask itself is, hers is porcelain because since she actually has a physical face, she doesn't do the whole latex mask as well. So hers is made out of porcelain and it's white and it has a lot of purple and green and gold flourishes and designs on it and whatnot. But yeah, it's very reminiscent of what Grandmama looked like. So, so where did they get all of this latex from? 
don't know. Sean's the one that told me that's what they wear. <laughs> I, I was not it's not necessarily literally like <laughs> but it is very much like latex. <laughs> and it's very expensive. Uh, so most Shay just wear skin-tight clothing, um, but the really rich ones can afford this shit. Slip right into uh, it like a tauntaun. <laughs> yep. Uh, and especially violites, because they're just, like, really well-regarded and tend to have a lot of money, even among their... Even among Shay kind, uh, they tend to use this kind of uh, material. Uh, <clears throat> I haven't thought of a appropriate lore name for it yet so latex is fine um <laughs> great what if it was called shaytex ooh I like that yeah shaytex <laughs> nice. trademark that you got it yeah so Riley's gonna like study uh, Shadow's new outfit and he's gonna kind of curiously say are you, are you able to breathe okay wearing that mask yes <laughs> I can breathe. I am used to this. This is how I have to dress when I am at home. Except, of course, for dinner. At dinner, you wear a formal one. Riley, like, ducks down to see if he can see, like, nose holes in the porcelain mask. Um, it doesn't look like there are nose holes in that mask. But at the same time, the mask isn't skin tight. <laughs> I don't think there's a vacuum seal on the mask. I don't know. It's just like wearing a porcelain mask seems kind of uncomfortable to me. I've never done it <laughs> it is i i've done it okay it, it is uncomfortable i mean i imagine one that's specifically made and fitted for you is less uncomfortable now if i i totally had the shadow plane all wrong now they've got some kind of weird hidden kink <laughs> like dungeon culture <laughs> that's my canon well, you you basically just can't see the the physical shape of a shay unless they or a violet, unless they wear really tight clothing. They just kind of look like either a a cloud of shadow smoke or a cloud of purple flame, even though they do have physical form. That's nice. I'm intimidated. <laughs> I am intimidated. Great. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah, I, I guess once um, outfit inspections are done and Riley's curiosity is satisfied, he will say, I've just about wrapped up my affairs here. Uh, Rousseau, I think, is waiting inside. Riley just kind of glances over his shoulder at the house. Rousseau is standing like five feet behind you. Never mind, he's right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> he's already got his sword out. <laughs> Good. But it, it's like the tip placed gently against the ground like he's waiting. Um, <coughs> I know that we're all uh, trying to expedite matters here, but I just have one last thing I need to wrap up before we can depart. Well, I doubt we will be leaving town into right away because we, it took uh, three hours just to get down to the temple and then we had to get back and we spent most of the day. Well, we'll have to sleep before we leave out. Riley kind of sighs, realizing that he probably has completely lost track of what time it is. Been, yeah, it's been close to three hours, probably like two and a half, two and three quarters. So, like, roughly what time of day are we at? Uh, for y'all, um... Because the first part of the session, you said it would take about three hours to make it down with the cart to the church. No, I said it would take three times as long. Oh, okay. Are you conf I'm confused. Uh, so, but there was running 
around and going every which way. So we'll we'll call it like two and a half hours that it took all all in all. So that puts us where in terms of uh, uh y'all probably arrived near what would be your midday, uh, so early afternoon. Okay. Mid afternoon. Uh, I said mid afternoon. Well then, step one. Let's clarify, Leaf. How did um, your investigations go? Uh, suspiciously smoothly. Uh, it it seems Thon was headed out to. Oh God, my notepad disappeared. That's a weird location, Leaf. Could you spell that for me? Uh, that would be W E S T H E L M. Uh, Thon. Thon left about 17 days ago uh, for West Helm. Uh, the port officers said that there was a stop in the Caro Mountains that may have slowed them down just a touch. Uh, so uh, we, I, I believe it was um, two to three weeks from the mountains. And so uh, all in all, that's that's about when he should hit the shore on the light side of the world. Uh I tried asking about Dembel as well, uh, my my friend with the boat, and uh, it it seems the last time he was seen in Storm Bluff was about six months back. He came from West Helm, but they weren't sure where he was heading. So it's fortunate that we know where Thon's heading, but uh, without shadows, uh, umbral paths, I'm not sure we'd be able to catch up to him. Riley will turn towards Shadow and say, So when did you wish to uh, move into the Shadow Plane and pursue your own goals here? Well, we can leave out the watering if you want to. Uh, we had to travel north of the city to the portal that is the entrance and then make our way across the borderlands of the Shadow Realm and then uh, take a path into the deeper shadow and uh, go from there to the, the that is where we will find the ritual site is in there. Um, of course, my brother should be around then and uh, that will make it easier. And the good news is that uh, Mr. Gotrash knows of a Gael community not far from where his brother ship is heading, and typically where there is one of our communities, there is another portal. So we should be able to go from the deeper shadow across to that area and out the numbral path and then out the main portal and arrive in that area without much problem. Wonderful. Sounds like the plan is coming together and sounds like that's a fair bit of traveling that would be best saved after we have a decent amount of rest. There is uh, one little thing that you all might want to consider is uh, in the in the shadow places, uh, the light is, is not so good. Uh, like if you hold a torch, it will not go even half as far as it goes in the, this world. So your vision will be very, very limited unless uh, you can get you uh, some magic or some magic spectacles to help if you don't have dark vision already. That's good information. Uh, Leaf, do you have any ideas on how we might rectify that? I, I can't say I've spent much time uh, 
and the shadow plane. Uh, I, I do have some magic that might be able to create some light, but I'm not sure how it would uh, be affected by the It innate. does not work so well there. Creating light, especially from magic, it does not work very well at all. That is the reason I'm saying it is better to focus on uh, ways to see in the dark without the light. Uh, Dara steps up. I can cast a spell that would allow a person for a couple of hours to be able to see in the dark, but I'm afraid I can only do it once. Oh. A day, anyway. And how much traveling do we have to do through the uh, shadow plane? A lot. Great. Uh, because not only do we have to get to the ritual site and then get to Mr. Goldfarsh's uh, brother, then I have to come back into the shadow plane because originally I was just going to follow Ekron and go kill the dragon and take it to Grandmama's house, but I don't want to leave Mr. Goldfarsh's brother in danger. So we had to make sure he is safe, and then I had to go back to track down the dragon and to get the blood and all that stuff. Riley nods, and he'll glance over his shoulder at uh, Rousseau um, to ask and or make a knowledge local check himself. But since Rousseau's from the area, he figured he'd ask first and just say, um, do you know of any skilled magic users in the area or shops that sell magical items or services that might be able to shine some lights on our situation here? <clears throat> Several. Um... If it's just light you're seeking, it's cheap enough, but things like dark vision may be a little more on the expensive end. That is the problem. The border towns, most of them have people who sell these spectacles that let you see in the dark, but they are very, very expensive. Yes, I guess between Leaf and myself, we'll have to figure out how much money we can spend on this sort of thing and then try to figure out what options we have. I know it's not only going to be us two that could fare from seeing in the dark, but... My people can see in the dark. All yes. Of so, uh, my group is taken care of, but uh, any of your group that will be needing to stand watch will need to be able to see in the dark. So we'll need to explore options, perhaps do some research in town before we leave, and it sounds like we have the time to do that. So, I suppose that perhaps I'll wrap up the last bit of what I would wish to take care of here, and then whoever wishes, we can take another trip into town, go talk to some local magic users, see what they can offer, if anything. Uh, well, I, I, I believe um, my shape-shifting abilities might help me see get around in the dark at the very least, if not see. So, uh, we can certainly search and find a solution for you. Great. Then that sounds like a plan. What about you, Lord Rousseau? Do you see in the dark? <clears throat> I'm afraid that I'm not gifted with uh, eyes of the night, so to speak. And I believe I may owe that to a particular relative. Riley just kind of cocks an eyebrow, but will 
uh, gesture, I guess, off in the direction that uh, Kana went off into and say, Russo, I don't wish to keep her waiting and I don't wish to keep my friends waiting to go explore magical means of rectifying blindness. So, uh, uh, Kana is also with you because this is where y'all were headed was the front garden. Oh, we met right at the little, okay, yeah. great. So then Riley just like Sorry. awkwardly turns around and then looks down, <laughs> realizes that she's been here the whole time. <laughs> he chuckles to himself and wonders how long he's been awake for. <laughs> <coughs> oh, by all means, I guess I'll get to see your sword play some other time. Oh, no, I, I trust it won't take too long. Combat goes pretty quickly all right well then in the sake of fairness go ahead and draw <laughs> sure um yeah uh, i'm assuming uh people will kind of clear space once it becomes obvious that there's going to be another uh sparring session going on uh, between riley and other people and this may go quite quickly yeah and riley will um steady himself and once space is given and uh, begin by drawing his blade. Roll for initiative. Yeah. Uh, Nat 20 for 29. Damn. Okay, you're going first. Great. And I'm assuming she drew at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I wouldn't want to strike her before she has her weapon out. Um. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Let, let's go for... Um, let, let's try to make it quick by going for a disarm uh, actually no how far away is she probably like maybe five ten feet uh, y- y'all are all within like stepping distance of each other okay so we can five foot forward and full attack mm-hmm. great so yeah then he's going to five foot forwards go for the disarm and then follow up with a non-lethal strike um i'm going to combat expertise but not power attack on this that's a 27 to disarm that will successfully disarm. And the follow-up attack is only an 18. Uh, uh, minus miss. 4 for non-lethal is 14. Okay, that will definitely miss. See, so, it tries to use the rapier a little awkwardly, I suppose. So now it is her turn. Uh, make me a perception check. 15. 15? Alright, so she is um, quite acrobatic. She does a sort of a uh, uh, backflip um, cartwheel thing in an attempt to disarm you. Backflip cartwheel thing. <laughs> uh, does a 24 beat your CMD? Uh, no, my, my CMD for disarm is a 27. Okay. So she fails, but you also notice a small figure made out of some green slimy shit. Uh, pick the, pick her sword up off the ground and toss it into the air above her, uh, to which she is reaching for. Um, Russo then steps forward and attempts to disarm you. That is a... Uh, well, that's an auto-pass, so... Uh, he uh, um, hooks his blade into the like hand guard of your sword and uh, flips flips it around at an awkward angle taking it from your hand and casting it to the ground. Uh, <clears throat> and that's all he gets to do because he only has one attack. That isn't mythic. Great. So, 
Man, I should get a blunted rapier or something just for training combat. Just for beating the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Good. Um, in that case, Sean, I didn't know this until uh, my buddy Mimat pointed it out about Pathfinder rules, but apparently drawing a weapon doesn't provoke. No, I think sheathing does, but I don't think drawing one does. Yeah, I always thought drawing did, and I think a lot of people do. Um, might be a 3.5 thing. But yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you do that. I know picking up a weapon does. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. So, uh, Riley, instead of springing for his fancy other weapon, is going to just draw his um, backup rapier, his silver rapier. And um, he will strike... I'm going to go after Russo. Yeah. So move action, draw the his backup rapier, then standard just for a simple attack on Russo. Um, I'm going to keep power attack up and combat expertise. And I'm still going to go for non-lethal, I guess. Uh, one moment, please. Sure. Another battler has entered the fight. <laughs> Oh shit, and actually it's at a higher uh, initiative than you. So this is at the beginning of the round. We'll say this okay. is the beginning of the round. Sure. Uh, Shadow, go ahead. What are you doing? Well, when they disarm <laughs> her new brother, she appears behind Russo magically because she has that ability to do so. And he finds himself suddenly with somebody standing very close behind him, and he has a star knife to his throat. Uh, do give me a uh She is not cutting him that. yet. Right, but do give me a combat maneuver for that. Okay. Is this uh this would be going off uh, melee, yes? <laughs> okay. Uh yes, this is going off of melee. So because I do not see where it says exactly. Uh seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twenty-one. Twenty-one. All right, so you uh, successfully, we'll say, uh, effectively grapple him. Uh, he was flat-footed against it. So uh, you you hold him where he he stands. Uh, and the uh, baby plant <laughs> runs screaming into battle, going, yeah! And punches <laughs> Riley in the left butt cheek. Uh, Riley, it's your turn. <laughs> Did you just say I got punched by a baby plant? <laughs> Unless Leaf wants it to do something else. <laughs> so, uh, I, I think like leaf fleshies in particular are supposed to be basically like little imitation swashbucklers, and so I, th I think he's gonna see uh, Riley getting ganked up on, and then like Shadow jumping in. And uh, the cool thing about leaf fleshies is they can glide; they're like little flying squirrels. So. He's probably just going to, like, leap off the top of the Vardu and come gliding in. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, he's just going to start trying to flog, like, whoever looks like he's opposed to Riley. <laughs> well, well, you see, like, Lee in his fancy dress at the sidelines with, like, the, the deepest, most disapprovingest, like, parent frown of all time. <laughs> just, like, Hissing and pointing at the ground. Over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, so I'll roll it. 
So <laughs> he runs up and like looking back and forth, back and forth between between the two, uh, and just runs up to Russo and punches him in the nuts. <laughs> and Russo kind of like jolts forward, like just barely missing the star knife. This poor guy. Um, <laughs> just like not fair. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I guess at this tur- these turn of events, um, Riley would like to, or I would like to, have Riley roll a uh, a sense motive to see if Shadow thinks we're actually fighting, or <laughs> if she's just joining in to keep things fair. All right. Go ahead. Great. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is a twenty-five. Like she, she knows that y'all are sparring, but she also knows because she heard about it. the last time you and Russo sparred and how he ended up knocked out. And she's, you're her brother now. She's not going to let this man disarm you and knock you out. That's not happening. Uh, great. Then Riley will uh, smirk, um, knowing that he probably. I mean, if he really put his effort into it, he could probably dissuade the whole situation or, you know, um, call it quits here. But he'll turn on uh, Kana with his uh, rapier and says, I wanted it to be uh, you two versus me, but it seems like my allies had different opinions. Still care to continue? Uh, <clears throat> I take it you wait for a response. Yeah, yeah. Well, if do, you want to hold the action, and he'll also, like... you know, he'll also offhandedly like tell Shadow, you know, keep it clean. This is all in good fun. I d- I do not actually hurt people, but uh, if he moves against the knife and hurts himself, that is his his fault, not mine. <laughs> Riley kind of gestures at Russo and says, "You heard the lady." So she catches the sword as it as it comes down into her hand. All right, then. And uh, she dashes forward. Uh, That's not going to disarm you, Riley. Uh, What is your CMD, Shadow? Uh, That's a good question. Never mind, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Okay. So uh, she dashes by. Uh, Her aim against your sword, uh, Riley, is not... um, It doesn't hold real true, but she... Leaps up quickly uh, from from after that. Um, this will provoke an attack of opportunity. Kidokes. Um, <clears throat> see, I didn't actually do anything this round, right? Right. So, I think this is only a plus one on top of that. So, uh, twenty-three. Yeah, uh, we'll hit. Okay, that is. Sorry, all my notes for my primary rapier. Uh, me thinking I'll never have to use my other rapier. <laughs> um, though I only think that shaves off a point of damage. So that's twenty-five damage. Um, I forgot the minus four for non-lethal. What did I say? Twenty-three, so nineteen. That'll still hit. Cool. Uh, so you hit her hard, uh, but she still manages to, uh, to, to cast, um, the star knife out of Shadow's hand and it flies away about 10 feet, uh, before she 
tumbles to the ground uh, with a, a decent amount of grace, but obviously hurt. Um, uh, you would have also noticed, uh, given your check prior, that when she jumped up, that uh, plasmic form of uh, quiet was like boosted her, like it came out from the ground beneath her and like mm-hmm. pushed her upward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she she's landed a, a short distance away. She's still uh, within a five foot step from you, though, and still is armed. Dope. But uh, Shadow, you are no longer armed, and Russo is going to attempt to break free and fail. So it is now Shadow's turn. Well, on her other hip, she has guess what? Another star knife. Mm-hmm. So uh, now you have to maintain the grapple. Yes. I have to maintain the grapple, but uh, he's still not armed, is it? Because I've been holding yeah, he's him. Armed. I, I, okay, he's armed. So uh, first to maintain the grapple. Uh, I have to math for this a lot. It's just like, what is it with all of you and having two weapons? Uh, twenty-two. <laughs> it's smart. <laughs> it's only twenty-two. Uh, did you give yourself another plus five for... No, I didn't. For sustaining? So yeah, you definitely get him. Uh, so that maintains the grapple, right? Yeah, and you can do a grapple action if you would like. What what, what are my choices there? Can I, him, can I put him uh, down on the ground? Uh, you can attempt to pin him. Uh, yes, uh, so that can be your action. Okay, what do I roll for that? Is it another scene? You, you already did it. You passed. Oh, okay. Then yeah, motherfucker's on the ground. <laughs> She's just so sitting you just, on top like, of trip him. And, trip him and put him down, and he can't make any real. He can't really do much. Um, <laughs> this is hardly ladylike. <laughs> um, and then it's the leaflesh's turn. He's gonna go uh, grab Riley's <laughs> other sword. <laughs> <laughs> he picks it up like a fucking great sword, like a nice stop. Careful, that can shoot lightning. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he runs over to it and just hoists it up, <laughs> just like like lifts it over his head like the fucking lightsaber in, in the Jedi poster. Yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's he's just a dumb plant baby. He's gonna be flogging dudes, pointing <laughs> it or not. Uh, so that's his turn. Russo. Or not Russo, R- Riley. <laughs> He's I can see how you get mixed up. <laughs> um, as much as I'd love to double down and uh, attack Kana, um, the, uh, the leaf baby is wielding his father's rapier, <laughs> and he knows it can shoot lightning, and none of that seems okay. So... Um, is the leaf baby like five feet away from Riley, give or take? Uh, yeah, he's right, right next to him because okay. uh, your yeah, your uh, um, sword was right there. So Riley's just going to uh, like, as part of his movement, throw his silver rapier into his off hands, his uh, buckler hands, and um, attempt an unarmed disarm on the leaf baby. All <laughs> oh, right, it, it is not difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, I could always roll really poorly. You could. Uh. See, unarmed disarm. I know that's a minus four. Um, to be honest, he's, it's it's probably like even holding 14. it by like the blade. 
Okay, with the minus four, I even out to ten. <laughs> you probably yeah, you still pass. It. <laughs> okay, yeah, great. It's CMD is eight. Good. That would have been super embarrassing. Just yank it out of its hands. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Ah, oh, do I? No, I was I was thinking about using a mythic surge to take another action, but nah. Fuck it. Fuck. It. <laughs> I don't need to cheat that badly. So I think that's the end of his turn because he moved up to the uh, leaf baby and then snatched his blade back. All right. It's okay, no. she'll <laughs> she'll stand back up and uh, twirl her blade around and be like, well, I think it's been proven that you're quite good, but this is a little chaotic for a sparring match, don't you think? Chaos is good. The world isn't predictable. If you are only prepared for things that you plan, you are going to lose eventually. Of course, but I don't think this little plant thing uh, was really intended for all of this. <laughs> Riley will uh, chuckle and he'll just kind of like hold out his arms up late in each hand and um, will glance over at Shadow who's sitting on top of Russo <laughs> and then he'll glance at the leaf baby who's probably punching <clears throat> his ankles now and then he'll look at Kana and he'll just uh, very deftly put uh, put both rapier, rapiers in their sheaths and say... It didn't go as I intended, definitely. But to be honest, very few things go as I intended these days. Uh, perhaps before I leave, you and I can have another sparring match. Perhaps. Uh, you hit very, very hard. Yes, and you're relatively hard to hit. But this is fun, Mr. Morgan. We should do it more often. <laughs> he looks at Kana and says, uh, I guess if you have more friends who'd be willing for a sparring match... We could even up the odds a little bit. I'd say bring maybe 10 friends, if that's the case. This leaf baby can really hold its own. <laughs> it's just over there punching you in the ass. <laughs> How tall is this thing? Is it like three, four feet tall? Let's see. Yeah, no, it's on. about halfling size. Okay. Yeah. On the smaller end, I'd imagine. Uh, quarterling size. Like, like you were you were making a, a, a regular sized halfling, and it just melted a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Shadow will stand up, offer her hand to Russo to help him up out of the mud. <clears throat> Not the way I'm used to women sitting on me. <sighs> So it's a better to bend your sword poking me. And she'll go over and pick up her other <clears throat> star knife. Well, I was face down, so I imagine... Uh, <laughs> he just kind of stretches and like pops his back. <laughs> Riley's quietly laughing to himself, watching Russo recover from Shadow's vicious attack. <clears throat> <laughs> and Riley will even poke at him a little bit and say, Next time. You'll get me next time. Like hell you will. See, I thought this was going to be two on one, not three on, well, two on, two on one. To be fair, I was surprised as well. But that's the nature of these things, I suppose. I can't control my companions and neither do I want to. Demand took your sword. It was not fair. <laughs> I had another one. That's not the point. He should not have taken it. That's it's the idea, though. <laughs> <laughs> Riley just uh, kind of falls into a, a little bit of a giggling fit, I suppose. 
Um, and, and it's probably worth saying that I, I think the, the tail end, uh, or actually everything that happened upstairs at the uh, uh, Everuso's estate, and then this uh, little sparring match has um, probably done a lot to lighten Riley's uh, previously straight face, kind of dour mood. Um, so anyone who might have seen him being a little more direct during travel to Storm Bluff might uh, maybe, if they have ranks and sense motive, notice that a little bit of his lighthearted nature seems to be more genuinely poking out at this point in time. Red hot chili leshy. <laughs> I will be nice enough to clean, use my magic to uh, clean Russo off since I threw him down in the dirt. No, that's very polite of you. And with that humiliating defeat and blazing victory and strange butt punches. <laughs> That's all for this episode of the Agenda Podcast. Hi there. My name's Don. I'm a proud patron of this podcast you just listened to. I'd like to take a moment to talk about some of the projects that I work on. When I'm not listening to Tracy, Sean, and the rest of the gang tell wonderful stories using the Pathfinder rules, I like to make podcasts of my own. I'm the GM in the Starfinder homebrew adventure Hexgrid Heroes. On the other side of the GM screen, I play Cory in Pokemon Seicho and Peleus in Ashes and Allomancy. I also like to sit around and talk with my friends about how horror movies can be used in a haunted house setting, and for that, check out Fountain of Fear. All of these podcasts can be found at hexgridheroes.com. Good day. This is Dick Horney, inviting you to explore the world of Dustress, a unique homebrew setting within an Elder's Dream Games universe. Come along as the Hive Queen leads a gambler. Cowboy motherfucker with six shooter. I ain't never moved cattle in my life. I am a gambler. A Native American. He, he doesn't have a lifetime of eating processed food, so he probably is actually quite regular. And a Detroit teenager. Okay, so we're rolling into elves, aliens, and troll dolls. Through discovery of new magical abilities, struggle with the reality of unknown gods, and maybe learn a little bit about themselves along the way. Visit Eldritch Dream and Duster's Podcast on Twitter for details. They took to the stars and became stars. So it says here you're from another galaxy? Yeah, Milky Way. I don't think I'm ever going to get used to saying that. A band that influenced entire galaxies. Sector 8, let's make some... Until their inevitable downfall. Fuck you, and fuck you too, Switzerland. Thanks for having my fucking back. Now, 20 years later, they find themselves unpleasantly reunited. James, what are you doing here? We're an entire motherfucking galaxy and you show up on this place. In a place where things are not what they expected. One of our staff members just happened to go missing this morning, and uh, I kind of had... Travis? I understand. Why the uh, fuck do you have a guitar? <laughs> LCP D&D presents Odyssey, a musical actual play adventure set in space using the Savage World system. Listen in by searching for LCP D&D on your favorite podcast platform or find us at lcpdnd.com. Oh, 
Welcome, Forsaken Travelers. Do you like sci-fi fantasy atmosphere? Do you like bad, scary movies, cult classics, and more? The Crow, Beetlejuice, Frankenstein? What about dad jokes? We have those, too. Tune in to the podcast for the Untimely Dead every other Sunday on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you there. If you would like to become a patron, check us out on patreon.com forward slash Eldritch Dream. Also, if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. You can also find us in the Hive, that's our Discord, link in the description below. You can also find a link to our merch on sonerdware.com. And find us on Twitter, at Eldritch Dream, at Eterna P, and at Dustress Podcast. And until next time, everybody... May the elder gods haunt your dreams.